0: So um, turn to 1 John chapter 4. Uh, You guys should be accustomed to that. We've uh, started there pretty much every week, except I think last week we didn't start there, but we ended there. I want to read, um, all I'm going to read today is just verses 7 through 11. Um, And and I, I hope you're getting to the point where you are saying, wait a second, Lee, you have read this same passage six times in a row. Yes, it did, and it does, it, it does, yeah, yes. it does. It does me no harm, and does us no harm to repeat uh, those those words or these words. So let's read uh, in verse seven. It says, "Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love." And there's a huge reason why I'm stopping there is I want to stress the fact that love is paramount. Um, And when I say love is paramount, I'm going to need your love today because I'm going to, I told the guys this this morning, probably going to offend uh, quite a few of you right off the bat. All right. So don't say amen because it might be you. Just saying, I mean, we're, we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some words, and, and before you say deuces and you like say pinch the baby or, hey, ooh, my appendicitis is coming back, even though I don't have an appendix anymore, and you run out of here, just, just put your seatbelt on. It's going to be bumpy for some. Others are going to be like, yeah, this is good. Don't be the arrogant one in the room because it'll get you later on. All right. i I know with preparing for this, uh, I was beat up a little bit, um, and I always love those times when I'm beat up because I know that that I'm in a, in for a, um, a, a good um, a good lesson. Uh, and the lesson in which I want to uh, talk about today, um, it goes and we will get to, to to Ruth, and it's very very clearly tied to this. So this is not me just stand up on a soapbox, maybe a little, just but. Um, sh- w- w- where this really kind of w- was rooted from was what the things that are going on uh, in our society with the schools and stuff like that. Uh, I was having a conversation with, uh, with my oldest, with, with Haley, um, and uh, I always love these kind of conversations because uh, she enlightens me on just how uh, mature she is and how she is developing into a, uh, a woman and she can think on, on a level that uh, uh, when I was her age, I definitely wasn't thinking. I mean, she's 16, and when I was not worried about what she was, she's uh, concerned with at 16. Um, don't don't go anywhere other than where that needs to be, Bobby. Um, <laughs> but uh, Bobby's got a killer hat on today, doesn't he? he? He told he told us a story. Anywho, it, it's he looks like Liam. Well, I think Liam looks like him. Um, but in the hat. In the hat. <laughs> so. Um, no, no, no more, uh, no more tiptoeing around this. Here, here's what I want to say. In, in this conversation that Haley and I were, were having, she, we were talking about why do people do what they do? Why are these people acting like this? So she made the comment, not me, so don't be sending me hate mail. Actually, here, here, here we got this. Uh, Mike, I, I asked Mike to throw up a slide to for, for our, our complaint department. If you have a complaint about what is what I say today, um, or uh, <laughs> you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, there you go. Um, so send them the emails. Uh, it'll get to me. But, no, but, but we are talking about like, why do people act like that? What is going on with them? Um, and, and we were, we were discuss- it, was a, it was an interesting uh, discussion. Her and I try to solve the problems of the world. Um, and in this discussion, I, I said, you know what? I don't know. But I, I think one of the, the key elements is this lie that has been, um, uh, it, it, it was started, maybe not started, maybe it was even before my generation. But I know growing up, I heard this lie a lot, and I think that American society and American culture has really grabbed hold of this lie, and this is where uh, some of you are going to automatically push back, but the lie is that you can be whatever you want to be as long as you work hard enough, or you persevere long enough, or you act good enough. You can can do whatever, the, the sky's the limit. You can be whatever you want to be. That is a lie, and here's why. Because in my, my great um, illustrative uh, personality with my daughter is, I, I, I said, just think about this, Haley. If I went out into the middle of the yard and started flapping my arms as hard as I could and believed with all my might that I could fly over top that house, would it happen? Get shot. I would get shot, right? <laughs> hey, dub season's in. Boom. Uh, right. So... <laughs> It wouldn't happen. It doesn't matter if I believed with all of my might and if I was convinced with every being or every part of my being, it would not happen. There are are people that have been told ever since they were young, some of us are are, are here, some of you you know of people, whatever, uh, but you've been told your whole life, you can be whatever you want to be. You just got to work hard enough or you got to believe hard enough. I, here, here's what I want to say. And, and what I don't want to do is I don't want you to go home and, and shatter your kids' dreams, and I want to be an astronaut. No, you can't do that. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I am not saying shatter the dreams of our children. I, what I'm, what I, I am saying is maybe you can help reshape them. You can help them so you, we're not setting them up for failure. So um, I don't know if, if you all um, has anybody seen the movie or read the book "Wonder?" Anybody? Good movie. I didn't read the book, but I watched the movie. It was a good movie. We watched it with the kids. In this movie, there was this, this, um, this, this child who was, uh, and I guess it's based off a true story, right? There was this child that was born with deformities, and he was kind of mangled, and he went through buku surgeries to try to make him look better, and he, was never, he never looked like anybody else, And he said, in in the book and in the movie, he said that he accepted the fact that he's not going to look like anybody else. It didn't matter how much he tried, it just wasn't going to happen. Now, why do I say that? Well, Because I think that we have, especially now, and y'all can press in at a later time, but really listen and investigate maybe your own life and those who you know, we have a lot of people that are confused and, and the reason that they're, they're confused is because they've been told this lie for so long. You can do and be whatever you want to be. Now, again, I'm not restricting st- saying that I'm going to tell Gabe that he's never going to be the president of the United States. You know, he, he's never said that, but I wouldn't tell him he couldn't. Is that a possibility? Hey, you know, we've had some... Crazy one, so I mean, it, it could happen. That, but I, I'm not going to tell or let Gabe say, you know, Daddy, I'm going to uh, be like Superman, or, or how about this? Me growing up, I wanted to be Spider-Man. I love it. It was Spider-Man and Thundercats, right? Ho, <laughs> oh, right? But I, it was, I wanted, I, and I believed I could be Spider-Man and Thundercats. It never happened, right? But it, it, it goes beyond just, I, I, I believe I can do this. What we have to understand is what the devil wants to do is he wants to rob us of the potential which God has for us. So when I say this, when the lie is that you can be whatever you want to be as long as you believe hard enough or persevere long enough or act good enough, essentially what is being said, and maybe some of you won't say this, but this is what is really the truth behind it. Essentially, what you're saying is you can be your own God that you can be your own God. This is where, the, 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 this is where it really um, takes a, 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 a big leap because we can, we can see that, is there really any harm in, in, in telling my kid, well, or letting my kid think that they, they can jump over tall buildings with a single bound or stop, you know, whatever, whatever Superman can do. Is, it, is, it, is there really any harm letting a little kid live? I, I'm not saying that there's not. Don't, don't, don't kill their imaginations. I, I'm not saying that. But what, what I am saying is what we don't need to do is let them develop this disposition, this way of thinking that as long as they think hard enough and as long as they believe hard enough, then they can become that leper or they can become that you know, tiger or that elephant or that whatever. We we can't let that just get out of control, because last time I checked, and like the song says, only only God can change the spots of a leper, right? Only God has the power to change. And, and what I want us to understand is, we need to be um, comfortable in what God has uh, uh, given us as our potential. The Bible tells us that, 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 that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. God did not make a mistake. And, and that's what happens when we think, well, I could be this, and I could, oh, if I just try, well, here's the deal rest in what God made you. That's not settling for second best. And I think that that's where some people would think, like, well, oh, God, God made a mistake with me. No, God did not make a mistake, God does not make mistakes. So understand that the potential in which you have, and this is the truth. So when I give you a lie, here's the truth. The truth is that you were designed by God to live in the potential he has for you. You're designed by God to live in the potential he has for you. And that's what some people are like, oh, I don't know what that is. We'll talk about that maybe here in a minute. But what I want us to understand is as we look at the story of Ruth, we can see all of these cool things. And we've talked about some of these, but we can see all of these, what this picture is being painted in the life of of, of Ruth. And, And what we need to do is we need to understand that God had a specific purpose for Ruth. We talked last week about what what that purpose was. The purpose for Ruth was that that, that, uh, she would meet the Redeemer. She would uh, come in contact with a a kinsman Redeemer. And that's what I want want us to talk about today. So turn back to to Ruth chapter 3. And while you're turning back to Ruth chapter 3, let me just talk about what a Redeemer is. I I'm not going to go into to great length but we'll get a, good, a pretty good idea of what a redeemer does because what we have to remember is the situation in which Ruth w- I should really say that Naomi and uh Naomi and Ruth was in. Uh what well, the situation was that, remember they they went to Moab um and uh when they went to Moab I should say they Naomi and Elimelech and the two sons, uh, Malon and Chilion, they went to uh, Moab. That's where Ruth and Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah, uh, they, they, they married their wives. All the, all the men died. And then um, the, 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 the great famine that was in the, the land of uh, Palestine there uh, in Bethlehem, uh, they, they got word that God's now giving his, his people uh, food. And they're like, okay, uh, Naomi says, I'm going back. And obviously I'm paraphrasing here so you all can fill in the blanks later. Um, So they go back. Ruth goes back with, with Naomi. And, and, and it's during the, the, the harvest season, and, and uh, Naomi gives uh, Ruth some instructions. Like, okay, here's what you got to do. Um, and Ruth goes out, works her fingers to the bone, works hard, comes in contact with Boaz. And uh, when she comes in contact with Boaz, there's a, a, an exchange of words. We've we seen a lot of faithfulness that w- was uh, displayed. And we come to um, chapter... I didn't even turn my own Bible. Come into chapter... Um, Three, where in chapter three that that, that we're seeing that, that um, Naomi gives Ruth clear direction. Here's what's going to happen. Boaz is going to be on the threshing floor. You need to go there. You need to uncover his feet. This is what you got to do. And she does exactly what it is that she was, uh, that that her mother-in-law told her to do. That's where we're at. So if you missed any of that, read back through that later and it'll catch you up to speed. But what I want to focus on now is is picking up the story there in verse 14, chapter 3, verse 14, and, and understanding that the whole reason that she went to the threshing floor is because Naomi identified Boaz as uh, their kinsman redeemer. In the ESV, it just says redeemer. Uh, One who can redeem them. That's the question that that, that is then posed. Okay, what does it mean... To be redeemed. Why do they need redeemed? Well, understanding that in this culture they didn't have a source of income, they didn't have any way, anyone to take care of them. Uh, also, it is implied that when they left Bethlehem um, and then they came back, the, the, the estate of Elimelech was, un, was occupied now by someone else. It needed to be bought back and, and it needed to be redeemed. So the one who could do that is a kinsman redeemer. So the English word that we have "redeemers" derived from the Latin, meaning to buy back. To be redeemed means to to buy back, and this is um, in uh, it's a it's a liberation of any possession or object or person, and there is a payment that is involved. There is a payment that, that is involved. And, and um, we also, in, in the Greek, it means to loose from. All right? To loose and, um, or, or to free from. Think about this for a second. Think about the life that Naomi and Ruth were, were in. They didn't have any source of income. How, how are they getting food at this point? She was gleaning. Yes, she was going out. Ruth was going out. Why didn't Naomi go out? We, we don't know. Maybe Naomi was unable to physically to go out. But Ruth was going out. She was gleaning the field, meaning she was picking up the scraps to take back to uh, provide for, uh, for, for her and her, her mother-in-law. She was um, in bondage, really, to this destitute lifestyle because there was no male heir, there was no husband in the picture. They had no uh, children, no, no no son to take care of them. So they were in this the this, the this, this state of being where they needed to be rescued from. And, and so when when. Uh, um, Naomi says to Ruth, okay, Boaz, he's a redeemer. He's one that can, can do this. He's one that, that, that um, can, can, can redeem us back. He's one, and I'm going to use this word, and you'll see how it's going to come in later. He's one that we can have hope in. Here, let's pick it up here in, in, in Verse 14. Verse 14, in chapter 3 of Ruth, it says, uh, so remember, she's, she's laying at the feet of Boaz, and he says, okay, uh, stay here all night until the morning, and then we'll I'll give you instruction. So she laid his feet until morning, morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you're wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. we see it in the morning. Uh, Boaz takes care of Ruth and says, okay, here, I'm going to send you on your way. And all that, that he already promised her, remember in, in the, the previous uh, text here, says that he's going to redeem her. Um, there's one closer, one closer redeemer to, uh, to, or than him uh, to the, the, the clan of Elimelech. He's, if, if he doesn't redeem her, I'm going to, to redeem you. And he gives a payment saying, okay, this is, it's kind of like uh, when you buy a house, uh, what we call like earnest money. You know, you say, okay, I, I'm, 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 I'm making it intentional. I'm giving you uh, th- this clear intention that, that I'm going to do this. So Naomi says, okay, just chillax for a moment. He's a, he's a good man. He'll take care of this, right? Chapter 4, verse 1. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz has spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friends, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took, the, he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. So real quick, understanding that the gate is where most of this political action or most interactions, business interactions, transactions would take place. What it's signifying is he's doing this out in the open in front of everybody else. This is not something he's doing secretively. This is something that is being made known to everyone here. Then they said to, or then he said to the Redeemer, uh, and, and notice that you, we're not going to know this name of this, this, the, the, the closer Redeemer in any of this story. It just says the Redeemer. I think that's interesting because, well, why is that interesting? Because he's not the, 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 the Redeemer that's going to um, actually do what it is that, that he can do. Naomi, uh, yeah, then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, So so Boaz went through the proper channels, and he says, okay, here's the deal. If you're going to redeem it, redeem it. Um, But when you do, it's not just getting this this piece of land. Uh, Ruth the Moabite comes along with it. And and this is not um, uh, devaluing uh, women, but you can see in this culture that that, that, um, Ruth was viewed as a piece of property. And the beautiful part about this is what happens later. Here is not only is she redeemed with the, with, the, with the property; um, she is then made, he, uh, Boaz takes her as her as his wife. So I, I love that picture because it takes it. It takes something that uh, um, it, it, it is immaterial, like something of property and land, and gives it great value. He shows great value in, in Ruth here. Verse 7, now this was a custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place." You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were, in, were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Eph, Ephrathah, And be renowned in Bethlehem, and may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. All right, so Boaz does the proper steps, takes the proper steps to redeem, to buy back, to ransom Ruth. Now, here's the thing. It's not necessarily ransoming Ruth. It's, if you look at the overall story, who is the, the, the central figure in this story? Naomi. Because it was Naomi who is the wife of Elimelech. So, Naomi and Ruth were being ransomed. They were, they were bought back by the action of Boaz. Now, when we, we look at this, We 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 can see uh, this is where where the 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 the, that first my my first opening dialogue kind of kind of ties in because Ruth was purposed to meet the redeemer. She was uh, she she did what was necessary. She didn't take the approach of if I just work hard enough in this field, I'll be able to provide for my family. She knew that something had to to be done. She knew that on her own, she would not be able to sustain life. Nor would her mother-in-law. She knew that she needed to be redeemed. I I love this, this picture because when we look at what Boaz did for Naomi and Ruth, we see a foreshadowing of what Jesus has done for us. He has bought us back. So, and when I say this, this, this picture that is being painted here in this story of Ruth, and what Boaz does with this picture that is being painted, it shows us, and it shows the people at the time, greater days are coming. And the greatest day is coming when redemption happens. When we look at this, and we think about how we started out with the lie, We started out with the the, the lie that you could be your own God, um, that, um, you know, if you just work hard enough or you believe hard enough or you do all that, um, that that you could do whatever you want and you could be whatever you want. And and, and I believe that the the problem with that is that that it's it's been accepted as the view of society, but it's penetrated into every aspect of our lives, even uh, the, the religious aspect or let's say the spiritual aspect of life in America or even the Western world for, for that matter. And, and by, it, by it penetrating into um, every, every aspect, we come up with the thought that if I'm just good enough, I'll be good with God. If I can just do X amount of good deeds, well, then, God's gonna, then God will look at me the, at the end and say, oh, hey, your good outweighs your, your, your bad. But, but the problem with that if we if we step back and we look at that, if we look at if we look at if I just do good things and I don't do too many bad things, and God's going to look at all the good things that I've done and, and look, you know, kind of push the bad things aside, what that does is it drowns out why Jesus even came to the earth, because if Jesus. Came, as we read in scripture, to die for humanity, to die for the sins of humanity, to save us from the penalty of sin. Well, if we could just do good, enough good, then what he did on the cross is just, it's really in vain, right? If we can be our own God, if I could just try hard enough and if I could just do good enough and if I could just be whatever I can be and if I just I could just attain it myself, you don't need God. And, and, and when you, you you look at it like and when you look at it with the understanding of, of how detrimental that, that, that mindset is of you could be whatever you want to be, you look around us in, in, a, in a society that is, Primarily, and I don't—I'm not trying to be the doomsday or anything—but it's primarily hopeless. If you look into people's eyes and they're doing crazy things, it's because they have tried and they want to be, and they've been lied to so much. And, And what they need to be told is, you need saved. You need to be redeemed. And and this is what this is the message in which we can we can pull from. This is okay. If I accept the fact, and this is where it starts, if I accept the fact that I will never be good enough for a perfect, sinless, righteous, just God, if I accept that fact, that's where it starts, we have to, accept, and that is not devaluing any of us because I think that that's even heightening our value because because we are so unable to get to God, God came to us, that shows you how much he thinks about us. So when we, when we kind of, we, 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 we stop and we, we, we look back and, and we say, and I love that, 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 that song, I don't even know who sings it, that talks about, um, like, you didn't need me, but you chose me. You didn't, God, you don't need me, but you, you came and you want me. God doesn't need us to be more holy or more righteous or, or feel good about Himself, but He has chosen to come and redeem us, to buy us back. Remember, to, to, um, to redeem, it, it means to, to loose or to be freed. It's literally the term used for freeing from chains, from slavery, or from prison. When we, when we look at what is going on around us and the evil that is in the world, we understand that, that, that we, in and of ourselves, cannot overcome that. I don't care how cool you are, how much uh, you work out or you run or you, whatever you do, you are never going to overcome all of the evil in, in this world in and of yourself. Why? Because that's not how God made you. God did not make you independent. Oh, I'm a self-made man, or I'm a self-made woman. Here's the deal. If you don't need God, let's just go there, let's go straight to the top. If you don't need God, hold your breath. Let me know how that works out for you. Because you're dependent upon oxygen, right? That's the way in which God designed you is to be dependent upon, not only physically, but spiritually, Him. So when we look at this, okay, all right, all right, I get it. Stop, Lee, I get it. We need, we, we need this, this, this Redeemer. I am not going to be able to do good enough to get there. I, I got that. And, and most of you are thinking, yeah, all right, I, I, I've been there. But here's the deal. You need to be reassured of that sometimes. And we need to understand why Christ came and why he, he has redeemed us and that he has redeemed us. Because when we, when we finally grab hold of, and I don't want to imply for anybody that like you, you're, you, you're a Christian, but you don't believe that you've been redeemed. I'm not implying that. I, I think there's huge implications what we, what we, when we understand what has taken place. My kids, love them to death. It won't be because it wasn't until I was much older. They, they don't understand how good they have it living in our house, eating my food, right? They don't understand. My oldest daughter, she is spoiled rotten. All of my kids are spoiled rotten. That's fine, whatever. My, my philosophy is I'll spoil you until you act spoiled. You act spoiled, it's taken away. But my oldest daughter, she doesn't pay for her car insurance. or That isn't even her car. She drives my car around all the time. She doesn't know how good she has it. And sometimes what we have to do is we have to, to, to kind of look into the, how good we have it as being children of God. We have been redeemed. So, and, and I love Colossians 2.6. Therefore, since you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. Act like that. Understanding the, 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 the bigger picture here is where we understand that, yeah, you know what? I cannot be everything that I want to be, or I cannot be anything that I want to be. I need to rest in the, in the fact that God made me a certain way. Everybody's a little bit different. And I, I can be the best in that potential. I can live in that potential for what God has for me. Turn with me to um, Ephesians chapter 1. You're, you're going to say this here in a second too wait a second we were there last week all of these texts we were there last week and I think that it's important that we go back to them because last week when I read this you didn't hear what it is that I'm saying today with with talking about Christ being our redeemer and and talking about how I'm not going to be able to get to God and, and how I need I need I need that Boaz I need Christ he says this look at uh Chapter 1, verse 7. In Him, anybody want to throw out who who Him is? Jesus. Jesus, there we go. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. That's all I'm going to read right there. In Him, in Jesus, we have the redemption. He has redeemed us. How has he redeemed us? He's, as, as uh, first, or first Corinthians says, uh, he's bought us with a price or bought us for a price. What was the price in which Jesus paid to buy us? What does it say? His blood. He paid the penalty with his life for us. Just, just just think about that for a second if we if we grab hold of that and we and then we still say i don't want to do what god wants me to do there's something wrong because he gave you everything another text that we've read first john chapter 4 have you guys heard this one before maybe 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. So it was made known, was brought to life, so we can see it. That God sent his only son into the world. So how was God's love, how was love made manifest to us? It says right there, that God sent his only son into the world. So that, so there's a reason why God sent his son, so that we might live through him. In Christ, we have life. Yeah, but I got a pretty good deal going on. I can do this and I can do that. Fine. You, you, can, you can think that you have got it all together and you can think in your finite ability that, hey, I'm having fun. Just imagine the fun and the excitement and, and the purpose in which you have when you live your life for Christ. Because it says that we might live through him. And this is the the awesome part. Not that that's not awesome, but in in verse 10, it says, In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And he's going to say the same thing. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Big word. I get it. The propitiation for our sins. What does that mean? It means the Father sent the Son so He could hang on the cross as the satisfying atonement for. That's, that, that's what propitiation means. Big word, but it has big meaning. It, that, the, the blood of Christ satisfies the wrath of God. So, so when, we, when we look at this, and we're like, how do I know that God really loves me? Because Jesus hung naked on a tree, shed his blood so that you and I would not have to face the wrath of God. Will we have to face death? Yes, we will have. Every single one of us will have to face death. It's a result of the fall. But when we face death, we know as being a believer in Jesus Christ that what awaits us as we close our eyes here and as we open our eyes there. What awaits us transcends anything you've done here. So, so thinking and understanding the, the, the fact that I've been redeemed and that, that awaits me, my life will be different. You don't need 12 steps to figure out how to do this and how to do that. What you need is you need to grab a hold of, I am redeemed. I love that, that song by, what is it, Big Daddy Weave? Yes. I am redeemed. I, I love that song because it, that puts into perspective where I am. I ain't who I used to be. I know that, that I, I, I'm, not, I'm not there yet, but nothing this, side of, uh, 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 nothing this side of death is going to affect me where I'm not going to be able to make it to there. When we look at these passages, and I would, I would recommend you highly that you continue to, to, to just meditate on these, just to read these. We need to understand is our Redeemer has redeemed us to live free. Our Redeemer has redeemed us to live free, just like Boaz redeemed Ruth. It wasn't so that he could be her taskmaster. It says that he took her as his wife, and they lived free. If we live free, we need to understand that in Christ we have been set free to live free. We have been redeemed so that we can live free. So when we think about it and we 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 hear the, the story of the Redeemer in Ruth, understand that that's foreshadowing what Christ has done for us. The, the The question is: Have you come to that point to say, "I need redeemed. I'm not. I'm not a good God. <laughs> Basically, what you I suck at being God. I need the one true God."